really does. And I know that you're going to be blessed uh, this morning. Uh, I don't know how your week went. I trust that your week was successful. I trust that your week was over. Uh, you were overcomer. But I want you to know that God is your hope and your strength. And um, he is so good. He is so good. Well, praise the Lord. Today's message is entitled, My Church, My TGP. My Church, My TGP. And what I really enjoy about this message is this week as we've been fasting and we're going to be having our business meeting right after church, so we would love for every one of you able to stay, to stay for that meeting. Um, but one of the things that I was preparing for this message um, for this week, um, I said, God, he was giving me a bunch of different things, and I was putting it together, and, and this is how I, or how God speaks to me, I, I get a message, and um, you know, I'm a thinker, and so I'll constantly be thinking, and I like to see the big picture, that's, that's me, I, I give the details to Megan, I'm like, this is what I see, now you go make it happen, right? And I told her this week, I said, this church would not be where it is if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit in you. You know what I mean? So I love you, babe. Thank you for all that you do. And you're amazing. Absolutely amazing. And for the number of people that makes this happen, the praise team and all of them will come in early, every single one of you. And there's room for you. If you want to serve, there's room for you to serve as well. And so this is how I get the message. I'll be just thinking and processing things. And so I'm like, Lord. And, and sometimes he just waits till the last minute. I mean, I, I fight him on that. And um, it's a good thing because he has to get me out of the way first. So it's not really him. It's me. He's got to get me out of the way so that he can have his way. And, and, and that's something you should write down right there. A lot of times the things that we're struggling with is God is saying, get out of the way <laughs> so I can have my way. Right. And it's a battle. And he understands that. He does. And that's why his love transforms. That's why it does that. And so, um, you know, Lizzie, and, and one of the neat things about being a parent is that there are just, there are, there are moments being, of being a parent, just, just different moments where you just sit back and you just think and, and you're just in awe of God and, and everything like that. And, and, and being a parent is probably the most difficult responsibility ever on the planet. Uh, it's the most difficult situation on the planet, you know what I mean? And so you need a lot of prayer. I lost my hair, you know what I mean? Just from like, gosh, and just the stage they go through. I remember the stage where, where um, Lizzie had to learn one of her five senses, which is touch, right? She had to learn that. And, and um, she's in the fridge, and she pulled out the milk carton. And I said, uh, what are you doing with the milk? And she goes, I don't have the milk. I said, but it's in your hand. And she's like, I don't have it. So we had to teach her the discipline of the touch of a hand. You know what I mean? It's physically in your hand, and she's telling me it's not. And so those are some of the joys of, of being a parent, and, and one of the joys is, is now she drove us to church, and I'm like, look at that. You know what I mean? Like she's driving and taking us to church, and my prayer life is going to another level, right? And so, you know, and so I say all that because, you know, driving her, she's part of this play, and, and, and so I drove her there. And I'm driving. I'm like, well, let me go down to Polaris and let me, you know, go to my favorite place. Somebody blessed me with a gift certificate for Olive Garden. I'm not throwing that out so you get me one, but I won't stop you from getting me one. Anyways, right? So um, thank you, Jesus. Love transforms, right? And, and so um, I'm driving and I'm going. I'm like, man, should I really drive that far? It's three hours before I have to pick her up again. And, 
And, uh, and, and there's a message to what I'm sharing with you. And so I decided, I'm like, you know what? Let me, let me find a space for God. And I said, I'm not going to go down there. It's too busy and, and everything like that. And so, and so I, I, I turned around and I, and I found a spot for God. And I just, I just gave him that moment. And he gave me his message. And he says, uh, it's my church, my TGP. Because I said, well, why are you doing the, the, the shirts? And I'm like, well, I was telling someone earlier today, I said, from a kid. Um, I would always write stuff about Jesus. When I got saved, his love transformed me. I don't know about you, but when he got a hold of my heart, he got a hold of Rowan. <laughs> and so I would have it, you know, there. And I even used my, you know, here when I, when I had an afro. Can you believe that? And I had the afro. And I would put a cross on the back. You know what I mean? The barber's like, what do you want? I said, I want a cross. I want you to put that part and go all the way and put a cross right here. And I want everybody to know I'm madly in love with Jesus. Can we just take a second out and just let him know how madly in love we are with him, that we will do crazy things for Jesus? Come on, you know when you love somebody. Come on, when, when, when I was in love with Megan, I would drive hours to come see her. You see what I'm saying? I mean, I, I, would, I would arrange my class schedule in Bible college that I would get Fridays off so I can leave on Thursday. Come on. And drive my Volkswagen Jetta. Come on. For a good hour and a half. To see who I was madly in love with. And so when, when, when you understand how madly in love God is with you. That you will do things that people will consider to be absolutely crazy. And that's okay. That's actually fine. That's actually how he wants it to be. He wants people to see how crazy and madly in love you are with him. So that they can experience the transformation that you've experienced. And if you have never experienced the love of God like that. I want to encourage you this morning to experience that, to encounter that actually. And so you got to make space for him so he can give you his love. And so I gave him space and, and he shared this message and he said, it's my church, my TGP. And what he said is if you put my TGP, my church, you will move to methods and you will miss the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He said, I'm building my church. And then I'm building my TGP. In other words, it's him who's doing both. And if we understand this word church, which is interesting because the word church is found more in the scriptures than Christian. But we got more Christians than we have people who are actually part of the church. (laughs) And that's because we fully don't grasp and understand Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. Let's begin there. It is simply... These words, when I look at my church, my TGP, it simply begins, I will build my church. That's what Jesus said. In Matthew 16, verse 18, it is that text that has the, the weight, the, 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 the magnitude of everything that consumes your life is right there. I will build my church. I won't build my Christian. I will build my church. Who will be labeled Christians in the context of Christ followers. 
And so he wants us to understand that, that, that one of the greatest revelation, I believe, not from the scripture, one of the greatest revelation are these seven mountains that, that has been, that has been developed, that has been preached. It's phenomenal. If, if you love this nation, you must understand the seven mountains, institutions that affect your life, whether you're conscious of it or not. Like arts and entertainment. Business. And one of those mountains is religion. It's not church, it's religion. It's one of the mountains, it's one of the pillars of which we stand as a nation in the freedom of religion. It is one of those things that are the bedrock for why we're doing what we're doing right now from a policy perspective. Not from a power, but from a policy perspective. And if we can at least get this in by policy, let's do it. It only makes sense. But if you want to bring transformation, if you want to bring transformation like God wants to transform your life and a nation, you have to understand this statement. I will build my church. In other words then, ready, write this down, you are under construction. That he's going to break down your old way and build his way. He calls it a new man. The new self. And so if you're going to, if you're going to participate in, in, in personal development or, or in self-help, make sure it is the construction of the word of God that is breaking down barriers in your life to build up boundaries so that you can be a light that's right. And so the statement really is, I will build my church. And so in other words, when you're ministering to people, then you understand now that what's more important than them just being a Christian, what's more important, the question is, are you, God, building your church? Are you building your church? And it's vital that we understand this word church, which means ecclesia. It means the, the called out ones. It means you are called out of darkness into his marvelous light. So if you are the church, which is not a building, but the church is a body. We understand that. We recognize that. And so he's building his church, whether you're a teenager or whether you are or an older adult or whether you are a legacy builder. We have to understand that he is building his church and his church is so much different. It is so different than what we see. And so what he's saying to us is this, is that to understand how to build my church, you have to have what I call coffee and conversation. I was fasting this week, and I decided to fast coffee, and I was getting miserable on the fifth day. I was like, Lord, it's working. It's working. I'm getting miserable. And I have to learn some patience. And the reason for that is because we are so in tune with food. And it's okay, because if you look at Jesus, he was either going to a meal, coming from a meal. Come on. You saw him say, or was having a meal. Because he understood to build this church means he's got to be Intentional. It's got to be, you got to do the hard work of having coffee and conversation because that's really where it begins. And so you have coffee and conversation because God is at work. And so you don't want to miss those moments to get the message that God has. And so I've oftentimes told the leadership here, I says, no, have coffee and have conversation. That's why pastorally, I'm a relational person. Let's have some food. It's a, it's a double win. I get to be fed naturally and I get to be fed spiritually. And one of the things I enjoy as I have my weekly meetings, one thing I enjoy, I tell them all the time, I said, I don't know if you get anything out of this, but I certainly get something out of this. I said, every time I'm speaking and you say something, I grab something like, thank you, Jesus. Man, the amount of sermons that you guys have given me, praise God. 
the amount of message that I've received because someone was willing to have a coffee and a conversation that can bring transformation. Don't ever miss. Ask God, God, please don't allow me to miss moments to hear your message. God, don't let me miss moments to hear your message. So a great place to start really is with coffee and conversation. And so how it began, uh, you know, even this assignment that God has has called me to here at uh, the gathering place. Uh, the great place to start is, is, is um, I remember when I f- we first came here and, and the church was empty and Megan and myself was here and, and Lizzie and Danny were here and, and I looked and it was empty and we're the only ones in the building, uh, but we were the church, and, but the building was empty and because it was a Sunday because nobody was here. It was during the week and we sat there and I was convinced of God that this was his assignment for me. I was absolutely convinced and I know that was the case because I started to become vulnerable. I started to become transparent. Megan's looking at me as I'm trying to close my mouth. But God is saying, you've got to be honest with these people. I know you came from a place of hurt, but I'm going to heal you in the midst of the people. Because that's what the church does. Because I'm building my church. So I can build my TGP. And, and so I sat down and it was, it was probably the first month. And, and so Larry Hatch, who, who has been a faithful person in this ministry for so many years prior to me getting here and and just a wonderful individual and, and the work that he did to get us to where we were just a godsend in the season that he was here and i remember when he said hey can we go out um he doesn't drink coffee but he got a smoothie for the first time and i said i'll get a coffee and we went and we sat down and and, and it, it was official i said yes I'm, I'm going to pastor this amazing church and he asked me the question are you going to change the name of the church and i said i uh, I didn't know how to feel him because he was already here. And I was like, well, I kind of like it. And he goes, no, 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 I just want to know. And I said, no. He goes, okay, great. And I said, no. I, I said, the reason why I'm not going to, to, to change the name is, is, is this. I actually like the name. And, and, and my children start to say, TGP, yo. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, let's shorten it. And they kept saying, I'm like, oh, I like that. And so we shortened it to TGP. And the reason why I did it was first because, you know, they're in and they're hip and they know how to do it. And first, I had it for a brand, but God says, no, I'm building. And what we're going to be careful of is that we don't build a brand and miss the body. Uh See, there are a lot of gatherings, but are they God's church? So I sat there and I said, okay, um, I don't know how this assignment is going to progress under Megan and myself and our leadership alongside the council at the time. I was nervous. I was scared. But one thing I knew was that God was saying, I'm building my church. And the one thing I knew that was critical for there to be any sort of progress was we had to come up with our identity. We had to get to a place where we knew, who are you? I knew that was critical for the assignment and for the work. And if you're going to have influence in any area of your life, you have to get to a place where you identify who you are and whose you are. Now, you can function, but if you want to flourish, you can survive. But if you want to thrive, you have to know your identity. And it was clear to me that God was saying, this is my church. 
And so what you're wearing is not just something I thought of, of printing on a t-shirt. This is the work of the Holy Spirit over the last four years of giving me scriptures and insight and revelation of my church, my TGP. Turn with me to the book of Acts chapter 4 verse 31 because if we want to see the church thriving, if you want to see God building his church, you got to go to the book of Acts, the Acts of the Holy Spirit. And in Acts chapter 4, verse 31, we see God's design of how the church is supposed to flourish. Not how it's supposed to function, how it's supposed to flourish. Because if the church is flourishing, it'll know how to function. Because when there was division in the church, because they were flourishing, because they were prospering, because there was power, they were able to implement strategies and leadership that kept the church going. And I'm here to tell you right now, the reason why you can sit down now is because the early church got it right. For over 2,000 plus years, they got it right. So why reinvent, come on, what God has already done. So in Acts chapter 4 verse 31, this translation says, and when they had prayed... The place in which they were gathered together was shaken. Oh, my goodness. Come on now. Come on. You couldn't be comfortable in the early church. You just couldn't. I'm talking about physical manifestation of the glory of God. In other words, if you don't praise me, the rocks will cry out. And we've gotten so comfortable that God is saying, man, I've been good to you. Give me the praise that is due. Because if we would open up our mouth and we would give God the praise that is due to him. Come on. The foundation and the chains that are holding you would break and would crumble in the presence of God. And when they had prayed. And when they had prayed. The place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all, they were all filled with the what? The Holy Spirit. So the first thing in my church is that it must be a people filled with the Holy Spirit. That must be the standard. That must be the qualification. If we don't have the Holy Spirit, we are a club, we're not a church. If we don't have the Holy Spirit, we don't have directions of where God wants us to go. And because they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they continued to speak the what? The word of God with boldness. So the first thing we see in God building this church is that is a place that is filled with the Holy Spirit. It is a place where prayer is priority. It is a place where we gather together, but we never lose essence that we are the church. That we are the church. So here's what the Lord gave me about my TGP. He says this. You are filled with the Holy Spirit. You are not to be neutral. You must not be lukewarm. You are not to be stagnant. That's not what I'm building. I'm not building a people who are not filled with the Holy Spirit. They couldn't leave the upper room without the Holy Spirit. How can we leave our home without the Holy Spirit? How could our children flourish without the Holy Spirit? How can a generation know God without the Holy Spirit? How could even know the love of God without the Holy Spirit? He's the comforter. He's the advocate. 
You are filled with the Holy Spirit. From the moment you believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you believe with your heart. You confess with your mouth. You are filled with the Holy Spirit. And he says now, you now need to be full of the Spirit. That's the power that comes with the presence. And he's saying you are filled with the Holy Spirit. And so in this place, as you come in, the Holy Spirit will have his way. The Holy Spirit will be the agenda. So there will be moments when we will sing unto the glory of God. Not because we don't have another song to sing, but we're not going to move until the Holy Spirit tells us to move. And I know that's uncomfortable. But God knows we need something greater than what we have been doing. People dealing with trauma. In situations outside of what the culture is saying. Personal stuff people are dealing with. Who needs power and not a program. That is to come to a place where people aren't afraid to declare the name of Jesus Christ. And when we pray the place they were gathered together were shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And so he says you are filled with the Holy Spirit. The moment you accept Jesus Christ, you're filled with the Holy Spirit. The enemy wants to lie to you and tell you you're not filled with the Spirit. So you try to live by your flesh. No, the devil is a liar. You are filled with the Holy Spirit. Come on. You have an upper room experience. And because you have that upper room experience, your life is being transformed. So when people try to argue with you, don't go to their level. Come on. Keep the standard high. Realize I'm filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And I have discernment. I've got power. And I'm not going to stoop so low. Come on. I know that I'm seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. My mind is set on affections up into heaven. Come on. So I can affect what's going down here in the earth realm. If you are filled with the Holy Spirit, give God a shout of praise like you know it. Like you know it. We are not to be neutral. We will not be lukewarm. He will not spit me out of his mouth. Hey, glory to God. I will not be lukewarm. I will not be stagnant. No, 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 no. I will not be a bystander in the move of God. No, 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 no. I will not be a spectator. No, I will show up, stand out, and stand firm in my position in Christ. That's the church that God is building. If you are going to show up, stand up, and stand firm, give God some praise yet again for that. My church, my TGP. So therefore, prayer must be a priority. Why should prayer be a priority? I said, Lord, we've got to make prayer a priority. He goes, yes, so every month, twice a month, you have to show up. Clear your schedule. Make it a priority. No matter what invitation you get, move that invitation out of the way. And by everything inside of you, make sure you pray. And if you can't be here, make sure that you're praying at the appropriate time to say, God, I'm going to join the community, come on, of believers, and I'm going to pray. I don't care if it's 10 minutes. Listen, 10 minutes for the Holy Ghost will make devils run. You see what I'm saying? Five minutes, the devil said, oh, it's not long. No, if it's powerful, it is productive. Washing dishes, but you're praying. Come on, somebody. Doing laundry, but come on, you're praying. Driving your car, but you're praying. Spanking your kids, come on, but you're praying. Come on. Dealing with stuff, but you're praying. Devil is trying to mess with you, but I'm praying. Because prayer is the priority. Yes, you can do two things at one time. My mom figured that out. Come on. Bam. And come on. Bless them, Jesus. 
bless him with the rod of righteousness. Prayer must be a priority in my church, in my TGP. Why should prayer be a priority? Why is that when the moment we open up our mouth to pray, we fall asleep? Come on. You see what I'm saying? It takes work to pray. If it comes easy for you, write the book and give me the pill because I'll take it. (laughs) Because it is hard work praying. And where we move to, I'm I'm glad we we have an upstairs now and it's like a change of position. Because we're living for us one level and I almost felt like we're just at one level. And so I would leave the living room to the one level. <laughs> so I was tired in the living room, one level. I'm tired when I get to the bedroom, you know, and I fall asleep. But now he says, change posture, so now I got to go up. He's taking those steps, I got to go up to the upper room. Come on. And I realize now that, oh, I've changed my position so I can change my posture. Now I pray. Come on. I get on my knees before I get into bed and it's still hard. I'll put up both hands and all my feet. It's hard. So prayer must be prayer. And why is it difficult? Why is it so hard for young people and for old people? Why is it hard for us to pray? Because here's the deal. See, see, if we don't pray, we get pushed around. And so prayer is the reason it's a priority is so you won't be pushed around. So when you pray, you're pushing back stuff. You are having the keys of the kingdom in Matthew 18. That whatever you lose on earth is loosed in heaven. You are pushing boundaries when you pray. And the enemy is fighting you and says, I'm going to close you in. But you're going to get on your knees and says, I'm pushing boundaries out of the way. And so prayer is a part. Oh, you got to get to a place where you are tired of being pushed around by the devil. Come on. No more believing the lie of the enemy. I will not be pushed around anymore. I know who I am. I know whose I am. I'm going to be a person of prayer. So the first reason, write this down, why prayer must be a priority is so you won't be pushed around. Instead, you will push the enemy around. You will pray until something happens. Come on. Mm -hmm. That's it right there. That I'm going to push, excuse me, I'm going to pray until something happens. The second reason why prayer has to be a priority is this, so you won't play around with idols. You don't have time when you're praying to be playing. (laughs) And so when you pray, the enemy, God's going to, excuse me, is going to reveal to you that that's an idol that's blocking you from seeing the glory of God. And so the two reasons why prayer must be a priority is because you will not be pushed around and you will not play with idols. Your core values are necessary and non-negotiable because my church is essential. My church is essential. And no matter whether it is online or in person, let's not get caught up in the distraction of the enemy. If you're truly embracing and you're connecting to God, it doesn't matter where you are, you're still going to connect to God. But when you make that connection, your comfort, you will miss the opportunity for your core values to shine. Let me say that again. See, when you don't understand that the place needs a conviction, what happens is the place can become a comfort. So in other words, you can find a place where you can hide and not shine. And so that's the danger. 
of being home. And because the enemy can give you a place of comfort. And so if it is that prayer is a priority, it doesn't matter where you are, you're going to let your light shine. So if I'm home watching it, the reason why I'm home watching it is because I'm still connected, right? Because there might be reasons that I can't make it, but it's not going to prevent me from giving God praise and giving God glory. Oh, God is so good. In other words, what are your priorities? If God would visit you for a week, would he notice that you made him the priority? The core values are necessary, non-negotiable, because my church is essential. See, if you abide in the person and the power of Jesus Christ, you will be biblically balanced, established in the teaching of Jesus. Now, the reason why I say this is because there's a lot of teaching that is filtering into the church that sounds good, but it's not good. It sounds good, but it's not good. And so biblically balanced means that we're established in the teachings of Jesus. So if you ever are gathered in a place where they're exalting Jesus, but they never talk about Jesus, it's a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. See, when you understand the person, the power of Jesus, you and I will be biblically balanced, establish the teaching of Jesus, and we will be the salt and light in culture and exposing the darkness without losing our integrity. Only the church can do that. Only the church that God is building has the ability to be able to have influence in the culture without losing our integrity. In other words, you have a voice. And so if you want to have a voice in your child's life, you have to come as salt and light. If you want to have influence in the marketplace, you got to come as salt and light. You have to have influence. You have to live by the example of Jesus. You got to live by example of Jesus. So how do we do this then, Ro? From the text I just read to you, from looking at Acts chapter 4, verse 31, we see that they prayed, the place where they were gathered together, I talked about that, and they're all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they continue to speak the word of God with boldness. So, so what does it look like? He then says, and here the Lord spoke to me, you are not to focus on programs. You are to focus on welcoming God's presence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We got to focus on welcoming God's presence and it doesn't matter how long it takes because where God abides, time is irrelevant. Now, it doesn't mean that you don't honor time. What it means is that you want God's presence more than time. So we welcome God's presence. We are caring for people. And we create a safe place whenever and wherever we gather because God has promised, I will be with you. Oh, Daddy, I thank you for that. I thank you for that. So as we turn the corner now, here are the things that we have to, the four things I want to leave with you of how we can be identified by God himself as my church You are my TGP. What we have to look at is this. The first point is called the first mention. It's called the first mention. And and, and this is a law, as some people teach, and I agree, that whenever we read that something is mentioned for the first time uh, in the scripture, it sets the stage for understanding uh, that particular topic or that particular text in the rest of scripture. 
So in other words, that's why if you wonder why does he always talk about Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3. is because if you go and you establish the principles from that text, it carries its way throughout the rest of the scriptures. You must understand that the Bible is not like any other book. It is the very word of God. And so the first time that the word church is mentioned is by who? Jesus. He mentions the word church. And so the first point is this, is my church, he says, the first mention is this, is that what is Jesus saying? And that's the first thing. So whenever we come together as the church, whenever you are by yourself because you are the church, the first thing you want to do, fill with the spirit, is you want to be able to say, okay, God, you get the first. So I come in your presence not to talk. I come to listen. I come to hear what you have to tell me. And so the first mention is this. Is that he said, I will build my church. Because the reason why we want to wait for the first mention, the reason why we want to do this is because we want to follow the pattern. That's the second point. So you can't follow the pattern until you actually heard the first mention. And so that requires them for you to give a space for God to move. You've got to ready, slow down, and allow the Spirit to speak to you on your situation because there's nothing you're facing right now that God doesn't know about. And here it is that God doesn't care about. There is nothing happening to you right now that God is saying, I'm too busy for that. No, God is saying, I know exactly what you are facing. I know exactly the situation. And I want to speak into that. You are my church. You are my TGP. So what has God been telling you? What has God been speaking to you about? Again, to go back to my earlier point, spending time in prayer is one of the ways that God will speak to you. And so he says when Jesus mentioned this now in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, this is so neat because Jesus now gets to this place where the timing is perfect, the location is perfect. Watch this now. And he says, I want you now to follow the pattern Follow the pattern. This is where, as pastors, we get in trouble. Because sometimes we can confuse large crowds for confirmation that God is pleased with us. And so what he's saying is this, is that don't misunderstand the purpose of the crowd. We have to understand The purpose of the crowd. And so he says, when you follow the pattern, the first thing is this. Jesus says now, okay, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. But before he got to that statement, he went and he says, who do people say I am? In Matthew 6, verse 13. And I know we're familiar with this particular text. and But the question is, who do people say that I am? He came to this region. He asked them, who do they say that the son of man is? After they gave their answers from research, he then says, well, who do you say that I am? He asked them, I don't want public opinion. I want your private opinion. 
Who do you say I am? In these months and these years I've been walking with you, who do you say I am? I multiply the loaves and the fish. Who do you say I am? I went ahead and healed the blind eyes. Who do you say I am? Come on. I walked on the water. Who do you say I am? I calmed the storm in your life. Who do you say I am? Come on. I made the lame walk. Who do you say I am? After reading the scripture, who do you say that Jesus is? Who is he? Who do you say I am? You see, this was the term that was so neat because he actually asked everybody. It wasn't just Peter he asked. He made it to all the disciples. Who do you say that I am? And right now, he's asking the question, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? In, in the, the Narnia uh, movies and and uh, the line of which in the wardrobe, there was one where, where they were looking for Aslan, and, and it was, I think Susie was the, was the kid, and, and Lucy, Lucy was, was the kid, and she saw Aslan, she, she saw him, and he was gone, and, and the others didn't believe her. And finally, when she actually did go and see him, he says, well, why, didn't, why didn't you come to me? She goes, but I, they, didn't, they, they didn't see it. He says, yeah, but you saw it. And I'm here to tell there are times God's going to give you revelation and people are not going to be able to see it, but you're going to see it. You're going to know what God is saying. You'll know what God's word is. Hold on to that word. Come on. Because when you meet the king, he's going to ask, act upon what I showed you. He has all of them. And that's why some people can leave church yawning and others can leave rejoicing. Come on, somebody. That's a lot of weight putting on the preacher because if he's got to perform Sunday, he's got to perform next Sunday. Come on. And so if we can't perform to keep you entertained, we're going to make up stuff. We're going to brand the church. And because God knows if that's how you got here, that's what we have to use to keep you here. He has everybody. So why do you want to make this point as I turn to the next page is this. Listen to me, church. The question of who is Jesus, you can't run from this question because it's the foundation to your decision-making process. It is foundational to your true identity. Who is Jesus? I'm serious. Ask your kids that. And the question is, but do you believe it? So you're going to ask them, who is Jesus? He's the son of God. What does that mean? I don't know. That's what I heard everybody say. That they don't know who Jesus is. And it's not to get upset. It's to know you have to have coffee in a conversation then. Come on. It's to know that you got to be praying for them, right? Come on. So the boundaries can, can expand. That's what you're doing. Because raising children is one of the hardest things because we want to make sure they can make great decisions. And I remember when Danny was, I think, maybe five years old, and I would say, make good decisions. And you did who you married. You know, but make make good decisions. So I told her, make good decisions. And, and, and the, 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 the person who was watching her at the time says, why do you tell her that she's only five years old? I said, because I want to get it inside of her. Come on. I want her to know, make good decisions. Because she won't always have me around. That she's got to get to a place where she knows who Jesus is for herself. And she's able then to make decisions that honor God. Are you hearing me, somebody? We've got to get to a place where we make great decisions. Why? Seven cultural mountains, the church has to be the one that navigates us through it. So, Pastor Rowe, I know who he is. Okay. Okay. I want you to write that down. Wh- whoever he is for you right now, I want you to write that down. Come on, do some homework. 
or on your phone or when you get home or you listen to this again, who is Jesus? Write that down to you right now. Man, I need healing. That he got to be Jehovah Rapha. You see what I'm saying? Like, who is, who is Jesus? Because it's critical that you follow the pattern. It's critical you follow the pattern. Because here's what he revealed. Once you know, once you know the pattern, you can, ready? Point number three, find the principle. Oh, God. Find the principle. What Jesus was doing in asking him this question about my church, now build my church. And when he asked the question, excuse me, when he made the statement, but when he asked about who do you say I am, he wanted them to find the principle. Oh, God. The law. Mm. He wanted the super to come on the natural. Oh, good God of mine. He wanted them to be able to access a dimension of power that was always available. They wanted the word to become flesh. He wanted them to find the principle. And that's the reason why we gather together is that we want to find the principle. Because contained in the principle is a discovery of who Jesus is. That he's connected to the principle of who he is. And so how you do this is by two things. You got to know who he is so you can know who you are. So Peter responds and he answers correctly by confessing, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the son of the living God. That's what Peter revealed. Peter, by revelation, unveiled Jesus' identity. Oh, goodness, come on. He was able to find the principle, but only by the revelation of Jesus Christ. Jesus now, watch this now, singles out Peter, and that's why he says, thou art Peter, thou art the rock. That's why he singled him out. He says, you just got a revelation of who I am. I'm going to give a revelation of who you are. Oh, it's impossible when you access a principle of God for him to rob you of the remaining principle. Can I teach this thing with a few moments I have left? Let me teach it on this. I think I'm going to end it right here and find the principle. I'm not going to rush this. So here's the deal. So Solomon now is given the task of building the temple. Not David. David was a warrior. David says, God, I dwell in this palace, but the place you dwell in is still just the tabernacle. It wasn't the temple yet. It was the tabernacle. That can be broken down. It can move. And David is saying, look at what I have access to as the king. And look at where you dwell. He says, I'm going to build you a place, God, for you to dwell in. I'm going to build a tabernacle. I build a tabernacle. And so God then goes and says, no, it's going to be your son Solomon, and I'm going to give him the pattern. I'm going to give him the blueprint. Just like how I gave Moses the pattern of how to build a sanctuary in the wilderness, I'm not going to give it to Solomon how to do it. And God wants to give you guys revelation. He wants to give us revelation how to build what he is saying yes to. He doesn't want us to build a tower that reaches the heavens. Come on. He doesn't want us to build a golden calf. Come on, that's idol worship. 
You are created to build stuff, innovation. He says, I want to give it to you, though, but you've got to find the principle. And so in this, we realize that if you know who he is, he wants us to know who you are. And so he singles out Peter and he says, I'm going to uncover your true identity. And watch this now back to the story about Solomon, which is really neat, was this, was that he now comes and says, Solomon, what do you want? Can you imagine that kind of relationship? Hey, what do you want? This is God. This is not coming from me with limited resources. This is coming from God. What do you want? What do you want? That scares a lot of us. What do you mean? God is saying, what do you want? I'm going to give you the access to it. Why? Because I'm going to want you to find the principle. Good God Almighty. That I gave you the pattern that David was willing to give his resources to build something. And God had said, I'm building my church, but you must find the principle. And that's what you want your children to be able to access is the principle. Someone say principle. You want them to be able to access the law of God. You want them to access the mind of God. You want them to access what God is doing. And so while as a people of God in this nation, what God is crying out is find the principle of how I operate. Because righteousness is non-negotiable. Come on. To be in the right stand with me is non-negotiable. And so here he now comes. And Solomon says this. He says, well, um, I'm young. I am inexperienced. I need wisdom or discernment to lead these people. That is a prayer for every breathing human being right now that's connected to some relationship. I don't care if you have a brother or a sister, if you're married or if you're single, if you're a grandmother or a grandfather, whatever. If there's someone else in your life that you know that you have influence in over an employee, a co-worker, a CEO, that's the question. God, give me wisdom and discernment how to lead with love. Good God Almighty. And the church must be crying out in this dark time, God, give us wisdom. So we know how to build your church. Find the principle. See, I remember when I first got saved and I used to sit in the back and no disrespect those in the back. Hear me what I'm saying. I was a teenager and I got saved and I knew it was, you know, I knew it was right, but I was, I was, with, I was with my boys, you know what I mean? And we were there and a bunch of heathens that God was still working on building up. And, and uh, we had this thing like we would sneak out one at a time and um, and whoever the last person was couldn't leave because they would notice them. And so we would laugh off them like, ah, oh, you got stuck in church. And they, they would sneak out. And I remember I snuck out and, uh, an elder, you can't do this nowadays cause y'all sue them, but you know, but, but back then, uh, the elders were honored. And so an elder was out there and he says, young man, what are you doing? I says, well, and he said this to me, he gave me, he says, follow the pattern. You'll find a principle. And this changed my life. He says, I want you, every time the word is being preached, I want you to sit right up in the front. Hey, and that's not what he's saying, because I want you to stand. It's not about what he's saying, it's what God is saying. And I remember I came and I sat there. And that was the game changer for my life. That I realize now that being in a place where I can hear God, because God was saying, you need wisdom for what you're about to do, Ron. The call of God I have on your life. Come on, somebody. How many know you need wisdom? Come on. You know, you need wisdom. I made decisions that was just messed up because I missed the principle. And hear this. Write this down. Please write this down. God doesn't give you a free pass. God gives you freedom. 
Know the difference. God does not give you a free pass. God gives you freedom to understand the principle. And what he's saying right now, prophetically in this moment, he's saying, will my church that I'm building, if they want to navigate through the darkness, they must follow the pattern and find the principle because containing the principle is who he is and who you are. So Solomon says, I need wisdom. To lead your people. I'm young and I'm inexperienced. I need wisdom. I need discernment. If I'm to build a place for your tabernacle in, I need your wisdom. If I'm to raise this child, I need your wisdom. If I'm to have this relationship work for you, I need your wisdom. If this is to honor you, God, I need your wisdom. Are you hearing what I'm saying, somebody? Before picking someone because they have nice blue eyes or nice brown eyes, ask God, God, give me the principle so I can follow your pattern. Give me discernment, Lord God. The position, whatever it is. And so he goes down and watches now. And what did God do? If you're familiar with that story, what did God do to Solomon? He gave him wisdom. End of story. Solomon said, thank you. I got wisdom. I'm good. Everything's good. Okay, let's build it. No, we missed the principle. Solomon said, uh, uh, God, give me wisdom. And God says, I'm going to give you wisdom. And look at what God said. God says, but I'm not finished. Oh, come on. Come on, somebody. That's a great place to shout right there. That God has said, I'm not finished yet, Solomon. And if Solomon would have thank you, Jesus, and would have taken off, he would have missed the principle. He was following the pattern. What do you need? I need wisdom. David needed wisdom. And David, excuse me, and, and the, the people before needed wisdom. And he said, Abraham needed wisdom. Jacob needed wisdom. Isaac needed wisdom. He says, I need wisdom. And God has said, great. And if Solomon would have said, that's it, closed his Bible and would have went, he would have missed the principle. What was the print? This is for somebody going to get free right now. My God Almighty, I'm taking off my glasses. It's so good. Someone needs to get this right now because you're moving from, from just striving to thriving. You're moving from just functioning to now flourishing. Good God Almighty. He said, the church that I'm building, this is your season to shine, God Almighty. This is your moment. Follow the pattern, not the culture. Follow the pattern of the word of God. Follow my blueprint. And you will find the principle. And he says this. He said, you want, you want wisdom? I'm going to give it to you. And then he says this. I'm going to give you wealth. I'm going to give you riches. I'm going to give you all the other stuff. Because here is what was contained in Solomon's request. God is saying it is impossible to get wisdom and not get wealth. Because the wisdom will teach you how to get the wealth, oh God. He said, what you asked, Solomon, connected me to the asking, oh God. He said, Solomon, you recognize who I am? I'm going to tell you who you are. Ooh, good God Almighty. God Almighty. God Almighty. God Almighty. We're going to stay right here. God Almighty, someone needs wisdom this morning. Someone needs wisdom this morning. You've got a road ahead of you. You need the wisdom of God. You've got something to decide upon. You need the wisdom of God. You need to know my church, my TGP. And we're just beginning. I said, God, but you told me we were supposed to talk about the light. He goes, I know. I know. It's my word, bro, not yours. I know. Here's what he said. Because you can't understand the great commission 
Without first understanding the great construction. Oh, God.